Hello, everybody, and welcome to everybody's favorite youth baseball podcast, Clearing the Bases, featuring Coach Jimmy Filangieri. I'm David Friedman, and I want to thank you for coming along this journey with us. How are we doing today, Coach? We're doing good, Dave. We played our last tournament last weekend, so I am on a baseball hiatus right now. For what, about uh, 18 hours, or uh, you got a little bit of a break here? Right. It might be 19 hours. I'm not quite sure. I didn't do the math. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. So um, wrapping up, uh, yeah, wrapping up the, the summer season and I'm sure you are starting to get ready for the fall season here already, but uh, I, I really do. I want to, I want to jump right in and talk about what we're going to be doing on today's show. I am super, super pumped to have a very special guest with us today. Uh, gentleman's name is Steve Springer. And he is just a whirlwind of knowledge for baseball, baseball training, baseball coaching, uh, and just just knowing everything about developing players, um, primarily from the mental aspect of it. But, uh, Jimmy, I know you, you've told me repeatedly how much of an influence he's been on your coaching career over the last decade or so. So, you know, tell us a little bit about Steve. Yeah, well, I mean, I began following Springer back in, geez, I don't know. 2012, 2011, it's been quite a while, we'll say about 10 years. And right off the bat, there was so much stuff that he was putting out there on social media that it was an instant, instant follow. And I, I would really venture to say that most of the people that listen to our show must know who Steve Springer is. And if they don't, then you have to listen to this show because you're going to find out and he will be a follow for you. Yeah, this uh, this is this was really, um, like I said, really looking forward to hearing what he has to say here. Uh, Got to put it out there. Everybody should be following as much as you should be following us at the CTB show on Twitter and uh, reaching out to us, clearing the bases at gmail.com. Uh, you need to follow him. He's uh, everything is quality at bats. That's his focus is quality at bats. So Twitter is at quality at bats. His email is quality at bats at AOL.com. His Facebook page is just quality at bats. You, you want to get in, you want to see everything that this guy has to say and everything that he comments on. It's, it's just gold. So uh, without further ado, here's Steve Springer. Steve, it's great to have you. Wow, guys. Good intro. Now if we could all just lower expectations 50%, we'll have a great day. <laughs> I love it, man. It's good to be here. I, I love doing these and, and and trying to talk, you know, help parents, help kids. And, you know, hopefully I learn from you guys and, and just talk baseball. I love talking baseball. All right. Great. Yeah, great. That makes, that makes three of us now, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're doing here, man. So um, why don't we start off, uh, you know, we've, we've got a, a varied audience that comes to us really from around the globe. So I uh, don't know how many people are going to be familiar with your specific story. Why don't we go ahead and just uh, start us off, give us, give us your background, where, where you started with baseball. I will, you know, and, and, and you know, I feel that my stuff's out there, but I don't believe it's out there 1% because there's so many good, you know, baseball programs across the country, uh, baseball, softball, and you know, and like we talked about earlier, everybody's got a story. Well, I love my story, man. When I was a freshman in high school, I was 411, 90 pounds. I was the smallest kid in school. I made the team because my brother was the star of the team. Uh, he was an absolute stud. You know, I, I got three at bats when I was a freshman in high school. I went to Huntington Beach. Uh, live in Huntington Beach, went to Marina High School. I coached first base the whole year. Um, my sophomore year, all my buddies went up to JV and varsity, and I, I stayed on soft frost, but I got to play. 
I'd rather play at a lower level than sit the bench at a higher level. Uh, my, my junior, all my buddies are on varsity and I was on JV, but I got to play some more. I got, I got best hitter award on JV. I grew a couple more inches. Uh, by the time I was a senior in high school, I was five, eight, 140 pounds. So I grew nine inches in high school. I went from tiny to small. I was a small senior in school, but I'm going to show him I could play because I got nobody ahead of me. And I had a sophomore take my job, uh, Bob Grandstaff, who ended up playing at Arizona State and got drafted by the Padres, played about three or four years in the minor leagues. He was a stud, too. So I'm coaching first base as a senior in high school, uh, not playing. And where I'm from, I got 50 colleges within 50 miles of me. Uh, my brother went to Golden West Junior College. You know, I didn't get one phone call. I mean, the coach at Golden West didn't even call me. And my brother's the best player on the team. You know, I'm like, holy smokes. Well, I'm not bad, huh? So I went out for the team during the summer and I got cut, you know, which is baffling to me to this day on how bad this coach thought I sucked. I mean, my brother's the best player on the team and I got cut. So I did what anybody would do. I got a job at Disneyland working on the canoes. Uh, I'm on the softball team. So technically I'm still playing, but uh, I end up uh, about three days later, my brother came home with the uniform for me because three guys quit. I thought my career was over. going to get a job at Disneyland. My uncle's a supervisor. I should move quick. Uh, and when my brother brought that uniform home, it was awesome. I mean, it was just like, I got called to the big leagues for the first time. And, uh, I was 19 years old. I got three at bats the whole year. I coached first base again, you know, and I played in the big leagues and, you know, when I go speak to kids and, you know, nobody's too small to play this game. I mean, this is the best thing about our game. I mean, what, what's Altuve six, five. Uh, I mean, this guy, right. this guy could shrink too much to be a big leaguer, right? Right. Right. It's not about, it's not about being uh six foot two. When I used to scout, you know, uh, amateurs. And I see this guy with a great body, six foot four, you know, glasses on his head and just looking all cool. My antennas went up, man. Cause I'm not getting tricked by a body and you don't need to be six foot two to play in the big leagues. Most guys, if they have ability, will be able to shrink two inches uh, when they get their man body, because it's about body strength. It's about, you know, instincts and, and being able to play both sides of the ball. Well, anyways, in saying that I got, I grew four inches when I was 20. And I'm not saying I need to grow four inches. I needed to get stronger. And, uh, you know, I working on those canoes got me stronger. <laughs> and so now I went from a second string, second baseman to an all-conference shortstop in one year. And that's how quickly it happened. And, and I'm getting recruited by all these colleges now. And I had a full ride to Long Beach State, full ride to Irvine, full ride to UCLA. My best friend, Rich Amaral, is going there. He played eight years with the Mariners. You know, and he didn't get to the big league until he's 29 years old. You talk about grinding. Uh, I'm going to UCLA full ride. And it was the greatest five days of my life until he looked at my transcripts. He's like, really, buddy? You took badminton? Tennis? Yeah, now don't get me wrong. I can play some badminton, but uh, I couldn't get in. And my dad was pissed. I was bummed. I'm thinking my career's over again. And my buddy, Sean Gill, went to the University of Utah. Uh, he was at Golden West. And they got a new coach in there, Lonnie Keeter, and he didn't know anybody there. And then he got, came in late and he had two scholarships. And my buddy's like, if you get this dummy in, man, you, you want him." And I think I took a correspondence course to get in there. I got in, I don't know how I probably went to about 20 classes. Kids don't do that. Get good grades out there. All right. Listen to your parents. Absolutely. Yeah. Listen to your parents and get good grades. You do want, not want that phone call thinking you're going to a top call. Oh, sorry, buddy. We can't get you in. And I get a lot of people in. And that's what the coach said to me. And, uh, but I go to Utah and I, you know, weather was a little bit different than California. And I, I, you know, the one thing I could always do is throw. And I think from working on the canoes, it really helped, you know, pulling people around, they're not on a track. And so I could really throw, but I hurt my arm and I ended up DH in the whole year. 
And I was like, I'll whack DH. And this is the best thing about baseball, because whether you're in travel ball, high school, college, if you're lucky enough to play pro baseball, you're evaluated every single day uh, by somebody, whether it's your coach or you don't know who's at the game. And we were playing Brigham Young, and there was 50 scouts in the stands to see Rick Aguilera, Wally Joyner, Corey Schneider, Kevin Towers, Scott Nielsen. Uh, the guy we were facing was Pete Kendrick, who hadn't lost a game in college. 50 scouts there, and I went five for five with a bomb, two doubles, and five RBIs. And I guarantee that's the day they got me drafted, guys, because it was the very first day I played the outfield. I sucked in the outfield. I mean, the ball be up in the air, and like I'd be bouncing. I'm like, how do you freaking catch that? Uh, thank God a ball was hit me. And I ended up getting drafted uh, by the New York Mets in the 20th round. First day the scout ever saw me, never even heard of me. Guy named Roy Partee. And, you know, if we had more time, I'd tell you about my dad. Like, my dad had no filter. It was thought mouth out. And he thought my brother was the best thing since sliced bread. Like, he, sure. you know, and my brother was good. He went to Oklahoma, full ride. He ended up playing six years. But my brother heard he got, he was at Oklahoma. I was at Utah. And he, he heard he got drafted. So we you know, called up the scout. We know it. And that time I'm on the landline. My brother's on the other landline. I'm happy for my brother. And Hey, Mr. Cole, this old time scout. He's like, uh, he's like, I heard I got drafted. Do you have the list? He goes, yeah, I got the list right here. Let me look it up. Yeah. 20th round, New York Mets Springer from Utah. And it was me who got drafted, not my brother. Wow. Wow. My dad could not believe it. Right. My dad loved me. He thought my brother was the best thing since I was filter, mind you. He'd say anything to anybody at any time. And I get three New York Mets scouts come over to sign me. And within two minutes, my dad drops on them. You know, you're signing the wrong Springer, right? Oh, jeez. <laughs> really, Dad? <laughs> my brother's wife read that in my book and she started crying. She's like, How can you say that? And I'm like, You know him. <laughs> uh, that was, that was uh, so i ended up signing you know my negotiations went with the new york mets uh, they said we got four thousand dollars in a year of school i said can i get five they said no i said okay let's go uh, <laughs> so i signed my first game i hit a grand slam so i call home i'm all happy and my brother got picked up by the tigers that night so that was a really good day in the springer household and you know, <laughs> wow. years and ain't that happy yeah, exactly. Yeah, now, now I was good. And, uh, <laughs> and so I hit like 246 with 11 home runs that year. I was not used to playing every single day because kids out there, if you're going to play pro baseball, trust me, it's five at bats a day, every day, whether you want them or not. And I never had that. I was always sitting on the bench and I finally got to play my, my, my uh, sophomore and senior year, but I've never played that many days in a row. And I was really tired. So me and my brother went home and we lifted and we got bigger, stronger, faster, not taller. So, yeah, I go to my first spring training, and I barely made the, the low A-ball team as, as the fifth outfielder. So the first month of the season, I got like 30 at-bats. And, uh, you know, I'm just coaching first base again. <laughs> I'm like, how do you <laughs> I'm, I'm pro at this, guys. I, I could do this. Right, right, right. How do you handle not playing, right? Here's how you handle not playing. You take batting practice like it's your game. You take ground balls if you're an infielder during batting practice like it's your game. If you're outfielder, you take fly balls during batting practice like it's your game. And you pull off your buddies to win the game and you be ready when the coach calls your name because he will call your name. And I remember like it was yesterday, May 1st, our, our second baseman got traded. And I and I I'm, uh, I told my coach, I said, coach, I'm an infielder. Could I play infield? And I swear to he paused and he looked at me and said, well, thank God you suck in the outfield. <laughs> I know I'm an infielder. So he let me play second base and everything's going great. Eighth inning ground ball, double play right between my legs. So that sort of sucked. Uh, Steve Phillips was on the team too. And, and so he played for about a week. He was like a fourth round pick. Uh, 
good player. You know, he was a high heartbeat guy, but great, great guy. And uh, so I get back there about a week later and everything's going real good. Eighth inning ground ball, double play right between my legs again. But I got four, but I got four hits that day. Right. You want to play at any level, we have to hit, right? You got to hit. I end up playing every single day the rest of the year. I end up leading the league in hits. I had 50 hits in August. I was second league in hitting behind Vince Coleman and who could fly, as we all know. And I still didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was a late bloomer pre-draft and I was a late bloomer after the draft. (laughs) Nine years to get the big leagues. But uh, so I go to instruction league and everything's going pretty good. And I go home, me and my brother lifting bigger, stronger, faster. And I go to my second spring train. I see my farm director there and he's like, spring, how's everything going? Have a good off season. I'm like, yeah, now I'm working out with high A. And I, I said, yeah, and I, I don't mean to be an idiot, but I just led a league in A ball and hits. I felt I should be in double A. And he looked sure. at me, paused and walked away, didn't say a word. I'm like, well, that went great. Uh, but it did because it made sense to him the next day I was in double A. My double A team, we had 18 guys with the Mets. You know how good the Mets were in the 80s, guys. I mean, they were they were legit. 18 guys played in the big leagues. I was the last one to get there. Right. And usually when I speak, I'm like, who saw the movie Moneyball? Every hand goes up, and I'm like, I was in his wedding, right? Billy Bean, not Brad Pitt. I was in Billy Bean's wedding, <laughs> and he was everything that he said he was. He was six foot four, 220 pounds. He had power. He had speed. He could throw. He could do it all. Uh, but in my opinion, he had football mentality. He was a perfectionist, and this is the worst word in baseball. It's the worst word in life. You know, one perfect. That's it. And and we think we got to be perfect, and we always and we're never going to be. So we're always failing. You know, Billy would hit nine missiles in the cage and pop the 10th one up and come out like somebody stole his kid, you know, as mad as can be, you know, and we're playing baseball. We need to slow the game down. Billy's a great athlete. He's obviously a great GM. Uh, and this is why his teams are so good. He didn't care what you look like. It, it's about being a baseball player and learning how to slow the game down. You know, Lenny Dykstra was on that team. <laughs> you talk about a gamer, you talk about a competitor. Guy. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. He's my guy. Oh, bro. A little bit of trouble now. <laughs> yeah, not, not the last decade or so, but uh, prior to that, you know. Oh, this guy can absolutely compete with confidence. And, uh, you know, we were, I remember, I remember I led a league in hits. He led a ball in hits. And we we're at lunch. And I looked at him. I said, You think you're going to play in the big leagues? And he looked at me like I was an idiot. He's like, I'm banking on it, bro. Here, I'm trying to get out of a ball. But, anyways, we win it all and then uh, go to AAA. So two and a half years, I mean, ago, I'm coaching first base and I'm in AAA one step away from the big leagues. And at the time, I'm like, really, God, 11 years in AAA? And uh, now I know why, because whether I'm talking to you guys, whether I'm talking to a, a travel team of 10-year-olds or a major league all-star, uh, you know, I spent 11 years in AAA for a reason. And it's to do what I'm doing now and it's to teach people how to compete with confidence when things aren't going well. And and that's my whole spiel it's my whole you know life and, and training people on, on how to compete with confidence when you're not getting hits because we're all going to get our knocks right i mean yep. you know, I, I i'm the great player when i get my hits how do you handle the one for 20 how do you handle the 0 for five and then back it up with another 0 for five you know and and you know we were talking earlier jimmy about about you know teaching young people you know i mean i got i was the mental coach with the toronto blue jays for eight years and I, and my coach told, or my guy that hired me said, spring, if you help one people, you're one person, you're worth your money. And I said, Tony LaCava, I said, Tony, if, uh, if I don't help a hundred fire me, cause I'm not teaching, get your hands here, get your feet here. 
And he's right. like, oh, you're right, man. You go to AAA if you want to. You go to AA once, get your butt down there with the 17, 18-year-old kids and teach them how to compete with confidence when they're not getting hits. Because right. that's, that's going to dictate how far you guys play is, is how can I comp- how great can I compete with confidence when I'm not getting hits is going to dictate how far you play, in my opinion. So well, that, that, that story right there is a true testament to perseverance. I mean, and that's another thing that, that we have a hard time with today's youth is making them understand the grind that you can't, the minute, thing does, the minute things don't go right for you, that you can't just give up. You have to keep grinding. You have to keep fighting. Well, especially in this game, you know, I mean, uh, I, I believe that, you know, everybody that's watching TV wants to play in the big leagues. You know what? There's very few big leaguers, but you can't tell me that you can't get a college education out of this game. If Absolutely. you have any ability at all. I've, I've spoken all over the country and there's so many good colleges. I don't care if it's JC, D1, D2, D3, NAIA, there's places to play. And, uh, you know, when I, when I speak and when I teach, you know, anybody that knows anything about me, knows the most evil thing in baseball, the thing that destroys more young kids than anything in the game, in my opinion, hands down, is the batting average. It's the biggest trap in the game. I hit three balls right on the screws, right at somebody. I beat the pitcher. The pitcher knows I beat him. Pitcher's mom knows I beat him. My batting average comes down like this. I think I failed, and now the wrong me starts playing. And I remember when I was playing with the Mets, I always felt I had to hit 300 uh, to play in the big leagues. And it absolutely sabotaged my own mind. You know, because now all of a sudden I think I got to get hits to have success, and it's nine against one, <laughs> right? Yeah, right, I mean, right. I'm pissed off when you get a hit with those odds, and we think we need to get a hit every time we put the ball in play. And so when I figured out to change what you think what success is, you hit the ball hard, you win, you help your team win, uh, you get up, you show up every day like it's opening day, you show up every day, and I don't give a crap mode about me. It's not about me; it's about me helping my team. Those are two completely different players. Right? You right. play every day like it's opening day. Right. Nobody in the history of baseball has ever played opening day with no confidence. It's impossible. Right. Because you got no yesterday beating you up. Right. I spoke to uh, University of Texas with Augie Garrido, right? Hall of Fame coach, passed away, unfortunately, a couple of years ago. Loved him, won five national championships. And in 2012, I was in Austin and my speaking was going pretty good. And I knew Tommy Nicholson, the coach. And I said, Hey, man, I didn't know how they were doing. I said, Hey, you want me to speak to your team? <laughs> he said, Spring. If we go 6-0 and the last two weeks of the season, we don't make our conference championship. Top eight teams made it. He said, Augie's not going to pay you. I said, I'll do it for free. I want to meet Augie. Never met him. I've seen his videos. Right? I love him. And uh, Augie's like, what do you say? Free? Bring him in. And so I, I, I actually drove to Waco. I was in Austin. They were playing Baylor. And they're at a hotel. And, and I went in there, and I could not have spoke better. I could have told 16 players to go stand in the corner. They would have did it. And I was about ready to leave, and my buddy's like, Augie wants to see you again. <laughs> so I go back in there, and he's like, okay, buddy, we're going to pay you for that, and I want you here next year for three years. I mean, for three days. Uh, what's your price? I said, I want you to pay me as much as you can pay me that doesn't come out of your pocket. He said, nothing comes out of our pocket. I'm like, good. <laughs> so I go back there, the same team that, that just finished in ninth place in their division with freshmen and not another person on it was one game away from the national championship. You know why? Because they got 25 competent players showing up every single day, right? Most teams think they got a 25-man roster. Trust me, it's a 50 because everybody's got two players in them. I got confident A.J. Pollock, who's a star, and I got non-confident A.J. Pollock, who sucks. Guess what? He doesn't play, right? How do we get the right guy playing? And Augie Garrido told me, he gave me my best compliment I've ever had in my life coming from a guy like him. He said, my favorite quote of any coach is if you get your players playing – 
every single day and I don't give a crap mode about me and you play every day like it's opening day. He said, that's brilliant. And it is. And I, I nailed it 20 years ago when I said everybody's favorite day in baseball is opening day in playoffs. Yes. You know why? Because there's no stats to screw up my mind to make me feel a certain way. And, right. and stats are evil. The only When I talk to kids now, the only stat I want you to get caught up in is how many games in a row can I be the best competitor on the field, whether I'm getting hits or not. How many games in a row can I compete with confidence, whether I'm getting hits or not? That's it. Because now it doesn't mean you get three hits. It doesn't mean you win every game. But guess what? The right guy's playing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Teaching the, the players, the younger players, to be confident is a very difficult thing. And I, um, you know, I, I start out when, you know, when we first meet with the team, first meeting of the season, I'll ask my players, who's the best p- baseball player on the face of the earth? And they'll come out with Mike Trout and, you know, they'll come out with this guy, that guy. And I said, no, the best player on the face of the earth is you. That's the mentality you need to have to go out there to compete. You're the best on the face of the earth. Go out there and show it. I love it, man. I love it. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's competing with confidence, man. How do we create confidence? In my opinion, you change what you think success is, right? You, you cut your, you, you, it, like perfect's the worst word in the world. Everybody thinks they got to be perfect. When I get a parent that'll call me to hit with their kid or do a mentoring ship, and, oh, he's the hardest worker in the world. <laughs> you know what I think? He's a perfectionist. And he's probably beating himself up. And I give them permission not to be perfect. I give them permission not to get three hits today. I need you to be the best competitor on the field with an attainable goal to hit the ball hard and help your team win. Right? Do I know I could hit or am I hoping to hit? Right? You got to know you could hit, man. I mean, and not get a hit, but be a good hitter. There's a big difference, guys, between having a good swing and being a good hitter. Yes. You know, I mean, the Internet's full of people trying to teach a swing. But I'm not sure it's full of people trying to teach guys how to hit. You know, we're always trying to teach power over hitability in today's era. And I'm just not in, man. I believe the better hitter you become down the road, the more your power is going to play when you get to your highest level. But the power is the most overrated tool in scouting if you can't hit. Right. I mean, this is why, I mean, we, 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 we take guys in the draft over BP and then we sign them and we don't even teach them how to approach. And my whole thing after the bad hours when I go into is approach. I used to think that baseball was about the mind the approach and mechanics, all three important in that order. I've changed it, man. This is about the approach, the mind, and mechanics. Because I don't care how confident you are. And I don't care how good your mechanics are. If your approach sucks, you're going to lose your confidence and your mechanics are going to break down. And this, this is my whole thing about hunting speeds. Like too many guys try and hit the fastball, curveball, slide up, change up, oh, oh. You're looking for everything. You're not ready for anything. That's my two-strike approach, by the way. Right? Sit fastball and adjust. Right. right. The one data that I would want if I was playing today is what's this guy throwing certain counts? You know, if I'm sitting on a fastball and I get a fastball, it's called harder BP. Right. But too many guys are trying to hit everything. They're trying to hit 95 and 79 at the same time. And Clint Hurdle said it's as good as you can do it. It's really, really hard to hit 70, 70 or 94 and 79 at the same time. And he's so right, especially right on right or left on left. Like I feel like it hit two pitches sitting fastball away off a lefty. Because there's no fear factor. Everything is breaking India. You know, if you're thinking fastball away and you haven't shifted through your middle end swing yet, and you could still put a good swing on off speed. But if you're thinking middle end and he throws you an off speed left hand, it's a death move. You know, but I'm into hunting speeds, man. I, I told this to Mark Trumbo one time. I said, bro, it's my blackjack analogy. It's too many hitters hit like they got 16 on them. Oh, oh. <laughs> like you're going to bust, like you're going to strike out. I'm like, bro, we're splitting. <laughs> I don't have to swing. And he's like, you're amazing. 
How do you come up with this? <laughs> That's great. I want to gamble with it. True. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but we try to hit everything. We're not ready for anything. How come we can hit the breaking ball machine in the cage and it turns invisible during the game? Because we know it's coming in the cage. It's about timing, right? What's a pitcher's job to do? His job is to throw off my timing. Well, my job is to be on time. And until I get two strikes, I'm in control in that batter's box. And my career started when I finally said I figured out in about 1987, I don't care what I hit anymore, and I'm going to hunt speeds. And sometimes, you know what? It's I'm going to hunt the curveball. You tell me, if I smoke a ball for a bomb or a double my first at-bat, and I come up my second at bat with the runners on second and third. You think two out of three are going to be a fastball or off speed? Not a lot of fastballs coming. Out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. why, so why am I sitting on it? Right? You're looking for right. something you're not going to get. And that's the second biggest trap of the game. I was talking to Trumbo one time. And I said, there's three things I get here is out more than anything. It's walking up to the plate with no confidence because you're having a pity party over yesterday and last week. It's trying to hit everything. You're not ready for anything. And it's pulling pitches that shouldn't be pulled. You know, and this is the whole thing. I'm a right-handed hitter. If I'm sitting on a fastball and I'm thinking right center, all right, I could look away and hit in. I cannot look in and hit away. Like, I, I can't tell you how many balls, 2-0, 3-1 counts, 0-0 counts, where I'm sitting fastball, I get it, and I had a little bit of pull power, and I pull an outside pitch and hit a hard ground ball to short instead of driving it to right center. Right. Come on, boy. Now I'm pissed off running down the line. I wouldn't even, you know, I was. I should have been thinking right center. And uh, – you know, but like I said, the more and more I do this, the more and more I figured out that this has nothing to do with batting average, it's stats. It has everything to do with getting the right guy playing every single day. Everything you say is just, I mean, I know you hear this all the time, but this is just, it's its just amazing to me because we talk on the show all the time. It's my kind of closing line is, is everything is about attitude and effort. Everything, everything is about attitude and effort because they're the only two things we can control. Truly, and not just baseball, but in life is our own attitude and our own effort. And I, I just I, I just everything can be can be kind of boiled back down to that and getting people to understand that getting kids, well, kids and parents to understand that is that's where the challenge comes in is how do you take all the stuff and it's it's great and it's very motivational, but to keep that going uh, beyond just just a couple minutes after it's after it's said. And uh, just getting getting the kids in today's world where they're so apathetic and they've been for, I, I think, babied so much by their coaches and parents up to this point and getting them to just believe in themselves. The, all the things that you talk about that, like, you know, you hit the ball as hard as you can and it goes right at somebody. I'll take that every day of the week, all day long over uh, a bloop single that just fluke wise uh, came in or, or, you know, just, just different things like that, getting them to understand how important that stuff is, is, is I think that's a big challenge to coaches right now. Well, I, I agree with you and it's easier said than done, but it could be done. Cause I, I, and I don't, when I, when I bring up names and guys that I have worked with, I, I don't mean to pop off. I don't even mean to boast. I'm just telling you some facts on, on what, why I know it works. You know, and and and, and right. what you're talking about, how do we get them to do it every single day? Well, in my opinion, you change what you think success is because too many players like yesterday beat them up today. And I got a new game, new pitcher, new hero tonight. And most players are going to let yesterday dictate how they feel. The only time I want yesterday to dictate how you feel is when you get two hits. Because <laughs> I can talk to quality at bats, I'm blue in the face, bro. 
When I get a hit, I feel good. I nailed it 20 years ago when I called the bag never safe. It's evil, man. It's not going mm-hmm. away, right? I'm trying to help you hit your highest batting average. This is, I guarantee you there's people in this country that think that I think the batting average, you know, uh, is, is like, you know, uh, a bad stat. I don't, I'm not saying it's a bad stat. I'm just saying that it is the biggest mental trap that players go through because they think they have to get a hit to have success. And, you know, the batting average has no brain. I'm trying to help you hit your highest batting average by getting right. the right guy playing, right? There's not a confident batting average stat and a non-confident batting average stat. It's one stat that has no brain. Let's get the right guy playing. When I was with the Blue Jays and I I, uh, I talked them in and spent a lot of money on Best Buy gift cards, whoever the most quality at that got a $25 gift card. Like you want to be a Blue Jay. They were giving away crap for free all the time. And we had one guy go one for 20 and he won a card. Now, how's that happen? Right? Nice. He got one hit. He got a couple bunts down. He got a couple runners over from second and third with nobody on. And he had seven balls right on the screws right at somebody. Right. And that guy's name is Kevin Pilar. Right. And the wow. next time, the next time you think you're getting the hose, this guy had a 54 game hitting streak as a junior in college and did not get drafted, which is That's incredible. Oh, there should have been 54 scouts fired because you, <laughs> you don't look into 54. You look into three, maybe. Right. right? right. We, took, we took him as a senior, gave him a thousand bucks. And he was the second guy in the draft to get called to the big leagues. You know why? Because he was a better competitor than he was a player. And he had all my stuff in high school. He had me come speak to Cal State Dominguez. He talked to coach and get this guy in here. So I've known Kevin his whole career, right? And this is Kevin. He's such a great competitor, and he and he knows what to do. But we signed him, sent him to Bluefield. And opening night, three for four. Next night, two for three, three for four. Remember what I said, pro baseball, five at-bats a day, every day, whether you want them or not. Next night, 0 for 4, 0 for 5, 0 for 4, 0 for 5, 1 for 4, 0 for 5. And now he's sitting under 200, and I knew he was going to call me, so I get a call from him. And I said, what's up, buddy? How you doing? He's like, not good. I said, what are you trying to do, get hits? He said, yeah. I said, no. Be the best competitor on the field with an attainable goal, hit the ball hard, and help your freaking team win. It's not about you. It's about you helping. I'm almost scolding him because I know he knows better, right? Right. <laughs> He tells the little intern in Bluefield, I don't want to see my batting average on the scoreboard the rest of the year. And he goes, he goes, uh, little intern, all right. He ended up leading the league in hitting, right? Next year he goes to the Midwest League and MVP of the league, right? He was the second guy in his draft to get to the big leagues because he's a better competitor than he is a player. And that's where we need to be, man, right there. Absolutely. Yep. And again, you know, it, go, it goes back to what, what you were just saying. It's, it's about the approach, right? And again, I'm just, I, I know I'm echoing what you just said, but it's with younger kids, it's, it's hard to make them understand that, you know, you're not going up there and hoping you get a hit. You're going up there trying to hit the ball hard somewhere and whatever happens, happens. Absolutely. I mean, I, uh, AJ Pollock's like my son. I mean, he's called me his whole career. He got my stuff when he was in college. He said, spring, I did the four things you always talk about. Walk up, play with confidence with an attainable goal to hit the ball hard. Attack the inside part of a speed I'm looking for. And I was there to help my team when he's MVP of the Cape. He ends up being a first-round pick. A.J. Pollock could recite my stuff. He knows what I'm going to say before I say it. Why does he call? Because there's something about going 0 for 4 where you lose your memory. It's in our DNA, right? And uh, a couple of years ago, he shoots me a text and he said, spring, it's been a tough two weeks, but I will line out five times tonight. Cause that's what I tell these guys to do. See if you can line out five times, good hitters line out more. And uh, 
I get what he meant, but what he really said was he's thinking about the last two weeks being tough. And so I called him out. I said, bro, I get what you're saying. You just told me you're thinking about the last two weeks being tough. I got a new game, new pitcher, new hero tonight, and you're playing another five years. Let's go. And he's like, he's almost embarrassed. You're right, Spring. He said, I'll line out five times tonight. And I'm like, that a boy. He had a text from after the game. He said, Spring, my bad. I only lined out once. He went four for five with a bomb and two doubles. It's changing what you think success is. And there's, you just need reminders, man. His best yeah. friend is uh, Paul Goldsmith, pretty good player. Yeah. Goldsmith hits eight home runs his first September in the big leagues. He earns the job. Well, the next year, uh, he's hitting 180 with two, about ready to get sent down. And he's like, dude, call this guy. He's a good guy. So I get a call from Goldsmith. I don't even know what he looks like. First word out of my mouth, your career starts tonight, bro, when you say, I don't care what I hit. The batting average is the biggest trap in the game. I hit three balls, ran the screws right out. Somebody in baseball says I sucked. That's a trap. He was like one for 20 at the time. I said, if you go three for four tonight, uh, the media still thinks you suck because now you're four for 24, right? <laughs> you play every right. It's opening day, bro. Try to line out five times. I said, there's two things going to happen if you're not the best competitor on the field tonight. He said, what? That was the first word he ever said to me. What? I was on a roll. And uh, I said, one, you got zero chance of being the best player on the field. I said, two, you're cheating your teammates because they need the right goldsmith playing because non-competent goldsmith sucks. And he says, you're right. I said, and he can't play, right? And then I go on. He's like, Spring, hold on. You knocked me on my butt 20 seconds ago. I said, what? So he said, I'm cheating my teammates. I don't like that feeling. I said, don't do it. Right? <laughs> You're the best competitor on the field tonight. It's a choice. Well, thank God he got two hits, right? Now he's texting me. Hey, Spring, what do you got, babe? And uh, he started a 17-game hitting streak with eight home runs that night. And, you know, he's a great player. He's a great person. Both those guys are better people than players. I mean, they're – you know, I was at a Christian retreat with my wife 10 years ago, all major league baseball players, minor league baseball players and their wives. I'm in a seven man group and I don't know anybody. I had to introduce myself and said, my name is Steve Springer. I'm the mental coach of the Blue Jays. I see this 20 year old kid just smiling. I said, you got my CD to anybody? He said, I can't believe you're here. Uh, I can't wait till I tell my brother-in-law you're here. I'm like, who's your brother-in-law? And he's like, Ben Zobris. I go, he's got my CD. <laughs> well, yeah, I want to meet him. He owes me 20 bucks. He burned me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sort of. So, 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 so I meet him that night. He couldn't believe I was there. He gives me the biggest hug I've ever had. He said, dude, you changed the way I think. His non-confident Ben was playing too much in double A at 25. And two years later, he was a major league all-star. He didn't get better physically at 27. He got out of his own way. It's one of my lines. If you like your abilities and your abilities aren't showing up, it's not your abilities problem. It's what you're thinking. Right. I mean, what you think you feel. I mean, that sounds like a psychologist. I can't spell psychology. <laughs> I know it starts with an S, bro. That's it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. That's going. What's so funny? <laughs> like, I, one, one of the things you just said about lining out five times and, and something that you've said in the past is that <clears throat> I'll give somebody credit once for what they say. And then after that, it's mine. I heard you say that a long time ago, and, and I live by that. And that line, you know, try and line out five times. Well, next time I talk to my team, they're going to hear that, and I'm going to give All you right. credit for it. But Just then once. after that, it's mine. Just once. Trust me. I didn't come out of the womb with what I know. You know, <laughs> I, I learned what I learned from, my, you know, coach. I had a great coach. Tommy McCraw changed my life. Tommy McCraw was a Met coach, and he was a roving hitting coach. And every time he'd come in, I was a stud. He had me thinking right. I was confident. Because, I, you know, and then I'd carry it for three days because I'm a dummy, I'd, I'd forget. But, but as, as dumb as I was, I was smart enough to realize when that guy was around, I was good. And so I brought a tape recorder up to his room in 1987. 
And he was nice enough to talk to me about me for 20 minutes. And if it was, if I was in my car for seven years, I was listening to that because we give ourselves way too much credit to remember what we're taught, you know, and this is what I love about what I did. The best thing I ever did was put what I know on some audios like 20 years ago. Like my wife was so mad at me that I spent $200 in a recording studio. <laughs> now she's like, go. <laughs> yeah, that's what my business, that's what, that was my startup cost, 200 bucks. Right. right. And, uh, you know, because it's, it, I, I challenge coaches. If you know you make somebody better and he leaves you to go to high school, goes to college, or you have goes to pro ball, and you know you had an impact on that kid's life, and you don't get something on audio with that kid, I'm saying you cheated that kid. Because now you're giving them way too much credit to remember what you what you just taught them. And when I made my audio, you know, I was a I was a scout for five years with the Diamondbacks. I was an area guy, then a national guy or West Coast guy, and then I became an agent. Right? Jerry Maguire's got nothing on me in a living room. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and my boss knew it, so he hires me away, and I did it for seven years. But in year one, I wanted my players to get a mental game, and so I you should have heard it. I mean, <clears throat> I, I, I'm talking into a a tape recorder, the car doors, ding, 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 you know, fastball right down the middle or something else. And I gave it to my brother and he's like, dude, you clean that up. That's good stuff. And so that's when I went in a recording studio and I gave one to George Horton at Cal State Fullerton. Didn't even know he was going to listen to it. And he had his whole team listen to it five hours before they played Miami in Miami when the Miami was the number one team in the country and they swept them and scored 10 a game. He said, wow. it changed the way we think. We got rid of stats. It's not about me. It's about me helping your team. And we got 25 confident players showing up. And that's the whole thing. I mean, everybody thinks they got a 25-man roster. Trust me, it's a 50. Yeah, right. depending, 25. Yeah, yeah, depending on who shows up that each day, right? It goes out. And, and see, when I go speak, it's like you talked about earlier. I, I don't want to be a Red Bull, you know, where everybody feels great and then they come down. I want to leave some staples. And I truly believe that what I'm teaching if it's done right, I mean, and, and, and like, I don't mean to be boastful, but I get emails from parents and kids how I've just changed the way they think. You know, I'll, I'll go speak and I'll get a parent come up to me in tears almost. And she'll say, okay, number one, that was awesome. And now I need to go apologize to my kid. There's too many kids are quitting this game at 13 years old because of the pressure that's put on by the one who loves them the most, us parents and Johnny Testosterone coach, you know, my 10-year-old to win the Burger King Championship. And now all of a sudden the kid's playing with tension, anxiety, and pressure instead of calmness, toughness, focus, having fun, right? It's one of my lines too. It's like, it, you know, when I get talk to some high school kids, if you play one more game with tension, anxiety, and pressure, let's go sign you up for the military because that's where that's at, God bless. And we're playing baseball. Right. Nobody's in trouble, right? But when you don't get hits, it's almost like it's a freaking three-hour timeout. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. It's, it's so easy to forget that this is, at its core, a game. Um, and what's a game supposed to be, right? A game is supposed to be fun. Yeah. Right. And, and, yeah, and not, 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 only, not only is it a game, but again, something that I talk to my players about all the time is at our level, each pitch is a game within a game. So we're playing about 200 games in that day, in that whatever two hours the game is. Right. It's, cool. it's like you yeah, said, it's I a might steal that one, Jimmy. I like that. I like yeah. that. I might steal it. It's like when Dave Magadan said spring, I guess Dave Magadan, who hit 300 in the big league every year. And I go, dude, what's your thought process? What are you thinking? He's like spring in my mind, every at bat is a new season. <laughs> I'm like, really? Every at bat's the end of my life. And you got this process, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. it's so right. You know, there is so many little different things. It's innings. It's uh, it's being a good defender, 
right? And playing good defense. I mean, as good as Kevin Pillar was, uh, the big league's a little different game, bro. I mean, it's 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 hard. And sure. he, he hit under 200 his first three call-ups. Why did he get that fourth call-up? Because he's a free plus defender, right? It's going right. to give you bat extra opportunities to catch up. Right. Like when I talk to my, when I talk to my, you know, when I go speak, it's like, dude, every time you want to go hit, go work on your defense, right? Go to a, go to a Trotsky Mongero camp. Sure. Right? My buddies, yeah. man, these guys teach it as good as they you could be done. Oh, yeah. Trotsky and Mongero camps. Look them up on Twitter and Facebook. And I'm familiar, very familiar with it. Yeah. yeah. And get to one because they're really, really good. You're not even going to take a ground ball for two days, but you're going to get a ton of drills to work on to get your hands better, get your feet better. You know, I, I, I would have been way better off if I would have went to one of those when I was uh, younger. <laughs> I mean, my hands worked really good above my waist, down by my feet. They weren't that good. It's being a good base runner. It's be, being a baseball player. You know, I mean, it's hard enough to play in the big leagues with instincts. If you don't have them, it's hard, man. And, and when I was the national yeah. guy with the Diamondbacks and the area guy would come in, I'd see the top three round guys. But I had to vote on 50th round guys. And I would ask every area scout, how are his instincts? And if he fudged just a half a second without saying really good, I had a hard time voting for him. Yeah. You know, I'm just not, I mean, it's hard enough to play in the big leagues. And instincts are everything. So how do we create instincts? And and one of the things that I tell parents and, and kids to do when I go speak is what stop watching a baseball game like you're a fan. Watch yeah. it like you're going to get in that bat. Right. Start thinking with the pitcher. See what he's going to throw here. Get a piece of paper with your buddy or your dad or mom and write F for fastball, O for off speed without cheating, looking at the catcher where he's setting up. And what do you think he's going to throw? And I promise you, after the second inning, you're going to be way better than the first two because pitchers create habits. And, you know, and, and they, you start thinking with them and and it goes back to my line. It's it's the you know dumbest line ever. But is it easier to hit one pitch when you know it's coming or three and you don't? Uh, if I've told you it's a fastball 100% and you can't put a good swing on it, then go play soccer, bro. You've got to be able to do that. But sometimes it's also okay to sit off speed if you think you're going to get it. How do, you hit, how do you hit a breaking ball? Right. In my opinion, you look for it. I call it zoning up and loading light. I'm not timing 95. I'm timing 76. Yeah. Like we watch football for two reasons. One, they couldn't hit a breaking ball. And two, they were afraid of a baseball when they were 10. <laughs> not a linebacker. Yeah. Right. There's another thing nobody ever talks about, fear factor, right? When I was nine years old, guys, I got hit by Joe Willie. You guys know Joe? Uh, you don't know Joe. I know him. He was 12 to 100. Hit me right in the back when I was nine. My mom's like, I'm so proud of you didn't cry. I'm like, I couldn't breathe, mom. <laughs> me, right? and, and it's like, yeah, dude, I bailed pretty much my whole life. I mean, I wasn't a full-on wuss, but it was just like, there's fear factor in baseball. And so you weird. ask any football player. Did they play baseball? He's like, yeah, until I got hit. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. I mean, the fear, the fear factor is in there. It's something that, again, it's, you know, we try and we try and work with our players to remove it. But again, it's it's something that's there. But one of the things, too, that I wanted to bring up was whether regardless of, of player or even a coach, because I know that that I live by this is having a growth mindset. What are your thoughts on that? It's always about growing. It's always about you get that guy that knows it all. And, you know, I mean, really, nobody knows it all, man. I, I'm always trying to learn. It, it goes back to what we talked about. You say it once, I give you credit once, if I like it, and that's mine. And you got to keep learning. And, you know, it, it's like scouting, man. I, 
I'll be in some great scouting meetings with some really, really, you know, uh, good scouts in my mind. And then I'll hear him say, well, when I saw him, he went, he struck out eight out of 10 times. And I'm like, well, when you were there, you dumbass, you hit 25 bombs, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, come on, put the whole picture together. You know, I mean, we, we have to, you know, it's not just what I see. There's this is such a good uh, big circle of what this guy does, you know, his body type. Can he play defense? Can he hit two strike hitter? There's just so much stuff. You know, when I was there, obviously you'd like to see it as a scout, but come on. I mean, I, I've made a couple of mistakes already. You know, I, I'm scouting with Oakland A's. You know, I speak all over the country and, you know, COVID sort of killed it with no groups, of 80 kids. And I was doing great for four years and then, you know, no speaking engagements for a while. They're coming back again. But I called up Billy Bean. I'm like, bro, I need a job. He's like, dude, we're firing people right now. I said, I know, but they weren't in your wedding. <laughs> About six weeks later, it's spring. He's doing a job. All right. And, uh, but it's just, you know, I, I, I'd see a guy early and he was terrible. You know, he, he missed a year of COVID one. He went about one for 20 when I saw him, you know, no, no, you know, terrible ba uh, body language. And, you know, I go back and see him three months later and he's sitting 270 with 15. He's better than what I saw, you know? Right. Right. So I, well, there had, there had to be a reason that you were brought there in the first place, right? You're not, you're not just going in the phone book and picking a name out to go, to go yeah, see a guy. It's a right? round pick. And I'm like, I don't see it, but I didn't see it. But right. the second time I showed up, I saw it. And uh, I'll change my mind if you say something to make me do it, or if I see something to make me change my mind. That's the guy I don't want to work with that'll never change his mind. Right. The word never is the worst word ever. Never, really. Never is a big word, bro. I was told my whole life I'll never play in high school, never play in college, never play in pro baseball, never get to the big leagues. Heard it all wow. my whole life. Wow. Yeah. So on that on that note, if we could just change direction a little bit. I, I wanted to ask you about that when you were, so you're in, you're in high school, your brother's a superstar, right? Was a, was a superstar. He's a little older than you. So he's, he's graduated and, and you're still struggling to get your opportunity. What do you think it was that kept you in the game at that point? Like what, did you have a mentor that was helping you with this mentally or was it just, just in you that you were just going to stick with it? Well, I was a really, really good player when I was nine, 10, 11, 12. I was in the majors when I was nine. I was an all-star 11 and 12. I didn't grow an inch from the time I was 12 to 15. And now I got to go play on the big fields. Mm -hmm. uh, and the one thing that me and my brother, trust me, we competed at everything we did. And, yes. and I had a brother that hated to lose. In my book, he's, he's called Gary the Great. <laughs> right? This guy never <laughs> lost. He'd cheat if he had to. So I was fighting and clawing and, and, and competing and you know, if it, was, if it wasn't for my brother, there's no way I, I would have played as long as I played and get to the big leagues. Because, like, like you know, we had, like, four sets of brothers, and we had a cul-de-sac. So the end of that cul-de-sac was my first baseball field. And <laughs> I was always on the other team because I was the second-best player. You know, so me and my brother, and he'd try and stack his team, and i get all the younger brothers. And, you know, but we competed at everything we did. We bowled. We, we did everything. Like, my mom – my mom uh, worked at a bowling alley at the time we were eight to 16. So I got some bowling game and we bowled every single day. And, you know, I talk about it in my book. It's a great story. I'm in spring training with the White Sox and uh, Daryl Boston and Kenny Williams, right? GM and, you know, big leader Daryl Boston. And 
And, and I hear him. I said, they talk about bowling. I said, you guys going bowling? And Daryl Boston, funniest guy in the game. He's like, yeah, you want somebody? You want some little Barney Rebel looking sucker? That <laughs> blonde hair. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll go. And dude, I went there and I beat them both. I shot a couple 200s. And <laughs> if I saw them today, Daryl Boston would be like, you little Barney Rebel looking sucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's all but about competing. We competed at everything. And I hand hand eye coordination. And now I got my new body. And this is the whole thing about what we talked about earlier, Jimmy, is about putting your kid in in an oven, not a microwave. This is not about right now at 12 years old when he's 100 pounds away from his man body. The only goal that you need to have when your kid is 10, 11, 12 is that he plays when he's 17, 18, you know, and then gets a chance to go play, you know, with with another 100 pounds you know, right. I mean, we're watching the Little League World Series right now, and these kids are man child now. Well, you know what? They might not grow another inch, and that guy, right. little guy is going to go. And so, this is why when we're when we're uh, in Little League or travel ball or whatever, for me, it's all about uh, teaching, you know, fundamentals like we talked about, and learning how to play the game, and learning how to have instincts. And now, all of a sudden, you get your man body, and you're a pretty good baseball player. Because that's the, the best compliment that you could ever get is this guy's a gamer, this guy's a baseball player. And then an, another key thing there with the young players is, yes, I mean, and, you know, Dave and I talk about it all the time about, you know, teaching the fundamentals, developing players, give them that foundation that they need so that when they do get older, all that stuff is there. I think, and to your point, what you were saying about uh, Johnny Testosterone coach, you have to make it fun for these kids they have to look forward to wanting to come to that field to play it can't be like you said uh you know three hour time out it's got to be fun ken raviza said first time i heard it ken's great you know and he he, he was uh speaking at the abc in front of six thousand coaches and his opening line was coaches if you don't hear anything i say in the next 45 minutes you better know this as players need to know that you care before they care what you know <laughs> as a person for, I got to I got yeah. I got to cut you off there for a second because when I end the show that's the line I use. Oh, that's good. Jimmy's closer. I, that's my closing line. Yeah, I, I give and, Ken Reviza a couple times because this is the first time I heard it and I never heard it so I you know I'm a dumbass so I, I just texted in my phone so I wouldn't forget it. Yeah. You know and that that's the whole thing it's about you know, I'd run through walls for some coaches. And then some coaches, I knew that if I didn't get a hit, he'd walk right through me the next day, not even yeah. say hello. I'm like, really? Yeah, you know, I, 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 I feel that I could tell 100 players within the Blue Jays to go stand in the corner and they'd do it because they knew that every word out of my mouth was trying to help them be a good player and a good person. And that's about as simple as it gets. Guys would get released and they're still my buddies, you know, because they're people first. Sure. My, my players get around good people. <laughs> my players hear me say this. I, I mean, I, I can't even tell you how many times during the season I will tell them, regardless, my high school team, my travel team, say, guys, you have to understand something. I would cut my arms off for every one of you guys. I'd run into a burning building for every single one of you. I'm trying to give you everything that I have to make you a better baseball player. And, you know, that's to your point that they need to know that you care about them. Yeah, well, I I love it. I I'm I love what we do, and, and we're teachers, not coaches. And you know, when when you start, you know, teaching kids, you know, it's hard. And, and how do you how do you coach your own kid? You know, that's yeah. tough. You know, I mean, I mean, when my daughter was 11, here I am, a pro scout. I got major league all stars calling me, and I tried giving her a tip. 
She's like, dad, you're not the coach. <laughs> I'm like, you're right. Honey. Go listen, go listen to the plumber. You're right. My yeah. <laughs> you know, so I but get you know, it. <laughs> but but you, know, you know, what's funny about that too. What you say uh, is, you know, about coaching your own, your own kid. I always told my son when I was coaching him that number one, don't you dare ever play this game. Cause you think I want you to play it. You play it because you want to play it. If you don't want to play, I'm good with that. That's fine. The other thing too was um, Angel Lugo, you know, the owner of the cadets baseball Academy. Um, he said to me when I was coaching my son, he said, Jimmy he says, you're a good coach. He said, but <clears throat> nobody will take you serious until you stop coaching your kid. Yeah. And that really was, for me, it was very profound. It, 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 it was true that, you know, people look at you like you're just a dad coach. Yeah, he's only in this for his son. Once I stopped coaching my son, things changed. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, you know, there's just so many, I don't know, man. It's just, uh, uh, this game is so awesome. There's so many levels, you know, you got the little league, you got the youth. And if you're lucky enough to play high school and then lucky enough to play college and, and, you know, unbelievably lucky to play in the big leagues. I mean, it's just, there's just, it's such a grind. And, and yeah. I truly believe that a parent, I don't care what he does for a living, is the kid's number one coach because he lives with them. I could, we could be the most positive coaches in the world. If he's going home to the negative idiot, it's not good, you know? And, and this is why I, I want parents at my speaking engagements because I talk to them as much as I talk to the kids. And, and, you know, it's like I said earlier, the best thing I ever did was put what I know on audios. I have, you know, but I want to hug the guy that invented a digital download. <laughs> Those CDs used to cost me a buck a piece. This is like, you know, I'll get somebody to order my stuff when I'm sleeping. And then I call them up. I thank them. They can't believe I'm calling them. Boom. Uh, speaking engagement. I hit with your kid. And, you know, so anybody out there, you know, let, let's talk about getting my stuff and, you know, and it's, it's the, it, for the price of a half a hitting lesson, you get everything that I made and get to listen to it whenever you want to listen to it. That's the beauty of the audio. You know, I, I made my new audio Q15. It's me talking way quicker. <laughs> it was just shocking. <laughs> uh, tried to slow it down today, but, uh, and, you know, I love the line. We give ourselves too much credit to remember what we're taught, but I need parents to get great at listening to my stuff if you have a 12U kid, yes. you know. So now all of a sudden your kid's 12, 13, 14, hey, what's spring say? Boom. Great game, buddy. Parents, if you can't go to your kid's game, it's not how many hits did you get today. It's how many good at bats do you have, bud? How'd the, how'd the team do? You make any good plays? And so we're talking on a positive level. You know, in my opinion, negative people suck. You know, and they'll suck the life right out of you, man. It's, it's right. like that, I love that line. Like, before you think you have depression, make sure you're not hanging around with idiots. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's something with the, the physical side of the game. We're, we're drilled into our heads constantly that it's about drilling, right? It's about the muscle memory and it's about uh, continue doing the same things. You know, that's why we, we drill, we drill, we drill, drill. We don't think in general, globally, we don't think about the mental side of the game. And that's what you're saying, where it's not just, all right, say it once and then and then it's we, we expect it to be committed to memory, right? And and to do it all the time. You need to continually drill that positivity into their heads at all times too. There's no doubt. I talk about watching the pitcher on my stuff. You don't have five at bats a day anymore. You got 27 minimum if you're in college or playing pro ball, right? I mean, the video on a pitcher two weeks ago is great. Watching every pitch he makes tonight is 10 times better and, and, and seeing what he has working tonight. And, you know, I, I'm just so into hunting speeds, man. I, I do not want to swing at a curveball unless I was looking for it until I get two strikes. 
I'm not looking for 70. I'm looking, I'm dude, when you got time up 96, 97 nowadays, you, you can't hit both, you know, I mean, not, not effectively. I mean, unless you're a switch header and everything's breaking India and, you know, you got zero fear factor. And now all of a sudden it's like, you know, left on left, right. Try fishing Randy Johnson and try and hit 99 in his slider. And it's coming behind you from behind your ear. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's not that easy, but how do you slow the game down? You breathe. You know, when I, when I speak, I mean, you're going to be your best athlete with your heartbeat between 60 and 80 at all times. The only time I want your heartbeat over 80 on a baseball field is when you hit a triple. Right? It's slowing it down, man. It's making 95 look 85. I believe hitting slow feet, fast hands, quiet head, taking a controlled violent swing uh, on the inside part of a speed you're looking for. And, and I believe hitting this controlled violence. It's not violent violence, not controlled controlled. It's controlled violent act to hit a baseball. Right. But I'm telling you right now, if you are not competing with confidence 100 percent and something's wrong mentally and it's usually yesterday beating you up today, in my opinion. And, and so that's why I'm, I'm all into, you know, opening day every day and, and competing with confidence. You know, when I go speak, I have a wristband that says compete with confidence and play every day like it's open day and just little reminders. And when you when you buy into this, like I said, doesn't mean you win every game. Doesn't mean you get three hits. It means the right guy's playing, right? I played uh, junior football with Nolan Arenado's dad when I was eight. So I've known Nolan his whole life. His quote on my website is, when I get into a funk, Spring knows he's getting a call. And I promise you, I've never asked him to get three hits. I've asked him to be the best competitor on the field with an attainable goal to hit the ball hard and help his team win a thousand times. And trust me, Nolan's an intense competitor. And it's almost borderline perfectionist. And, you know, you got you to you give him permission not to be perfect, man. Right, get the right guy playing. Non-confident Nolan sucks. He says, you're right. I said, then he can't play. You know, get the right guy playing is the whole thing. And when you play every day like it's opening day and I don't give a crap mode about me, you got the right guy playing. And that's, uh, you know, one, one of the things, too, that I want to stress to, you know, youth level coaches is that, you know, yeah, we have to teach X's and O's. And like Dave said, we have to teach the a physical part of the game. However, the, the the mental side of the game, younger coaches need to go out there and learn how to teach this. Now, what, what I mentioned before about having a growth mindset, I knew in my case that that was something that I was lacking in. How do I, you know, I, I know everything that like you're saying about the mental approach. I know it, but how do I teach it? So I actually have a mental performance coach that I go to that helps me be able to teach my players better how to handle the mental approach you had mentioned about slowing the heart rate down about doing your box breathing and, and you know doing your breathing exercise and your meditation and stuff that we do with our players now um younger coaches and youth level coaches have to learn you know you don't have to learn it um you know to perfection but you have to learn some of it so that you can help these kids when they're younger and start bringing them up understanding how to have an approach at the plate or you know how to have an approach when when you're in the field or on the mound uh, and, and what you just said there is like, you're, you're going to get help. I go to get help. Like I had time McCry, Clint Hurdle. I had my teammates. And when you're always talking baseball, you, you know, there's a lot of good mental coaches out there. There's a lot of crap out there too. But when you find that one guy that makes sense, because half of learning, it's not always learning what to do. It's learning what not to do. <laughs> like, damn, I ain't doing that. you know, yeah. and when you keep learning and you have that guy that you trust and you know that he cares about you, Absolutely go to them. And, and, and then now you're teaching people, you know, it's like you have that mentor, but now you're teaching somebody. 
you know right it's, exactly it's, um, I don't know, man. Well, it's, I mean, even, you know, and, and again, I'm not saying it's because you're there, but, you know, because you're here, um, but you're one of those guys, too. Like I said, I've been following you for, for 10 years on, on social media, and the things that you have taught me are, are priceless that I use with my players. I love it, but I thank you. It's, it's awesome, man. I, you know, when we go to the ABCA and I walk around there, you know, almost half celebrity because I, th- I spoke three times. Right. And I got my little quality yeah. bat jacket on and you'll see this like 26 year old coach. And he's like in awe that I'm like there. I'm like, come on, bro. He's like, oh, dude, my dad made me listen to you when I was 12. And now he's like 26 <laughs> coaching. And I'm like, teach, compete, man. Teach, be a belief coach. Make those guys believe they're good. Right. That, that's the whole thing. I want to be a belief coach. I'm going to make you believe that you're good. I mean, I, I heard a great story. Uh, Don Wakamatsu asked Eric Chavez, he said, who's your favorite coach? He didn't, he didn't even blink. He said, Ron Washington, who was one of my favorite coaches, right? He told me I was going to the big leagues with the Mets. And, uh, and he said, why? And, and he said, Chavez like, was like blank for like 10 seconds. And then he just blurted out, I don't know, man. He just made me believe I was really good. <laughs> <laughs> So we call it a belief coach, you know, I want, I want to be somebody's belief coach. I want to, and how, how important is that? Right. Oh, but it's everything, man. It's like I said, negative people suck. And it's, we're as men, we're just so into beating ourselves up. You know, I feel I'm a pretty good guy 90% of the time. Yet I, I focus on the 10% of the crap I do hundred percent of the time, you know, it's not. <laughs> get that. I get that. Uh, if I could throw another, uh, curveball out at you here so I, I just a couple of things i was i was thinking like i said i've listened to a lot of things you do i, I, I do what say and i and i love it so um one of the things i haven't i don't think I, I haven't heard you talk about in any of the interviews that i listened to um could you give us a just maybe this would be fun for you give us an example of somebody that you saw as a scout that you really believed in and you really had to go like at bat for to the organization to bring the guy on or bring the guy up and it went and it, and it worked out. Give us one of your, one of your good success stories there. Like somebody that maybe other, co- other coaches, other scouts didn't, didn't see it, but you saw it in them. Well, one of, one of them, when I told the story the other night was uh, I was in our, our room with the blue Jays and we were having our, 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 our prep list on the board and who we rank on, on our own system and, you know, we got great meetings, get people talking. And, and on the second day, I look at the board and I'm like, where the frig is Kevin Pillar's name on this? <laughs> right. He just, he was just MVP of the PC or the, the Midwest league. And I'm like, I go to our boss, I go, Hey, well, where, where's uh, Kevin Pillar's name? He's like, well, you know, he's, you know, still come. I said, he's the best player in our system. <laughs> and like, really? And we go, yes, he is. Well, that's just one of them. But, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I, I felt I was really, really good at uh, finding that sleeper, that underdog, that that guy that, you know what, wasn't as sexy as the other guy, didn't have the flair the other guy had, but but it was a pretty good uh, pretty good makeup, played both sides of the ball and a better competitor than a player. You know, and that, that's what I was I want to be a better competitor than a player. If that's your, awesome. If your compete level ever goes below your ability, trust me, you're underachieving. And there's no such thing as an overachiever in the big leagues. He's a really good player, bro. Like Dustin Pedroia is not an overachiever, right? Really? Because he, he's five foot seven? No, he's a really, really good baseball player. An overachiever is a scout saying, oh, he's better than I thought he was. He overachieved. No, bro, you were wrong. <laughs> right, right, right. 
But oh, I'm not wrong, you know. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, I'm wrong. I, I think the biggest guy I ever missed on was uh, Chris Davis. The you know he struggled his last couple of years with Baltimore, but I saw this guy as a 20 year old in AAA, you know, upright stance, big swing and miss guy. And I bury him. No. Well, what I didn't put in the equation, what he's, he's 20. <laughs> in, <laughs> oh, that means the next year is 21, 22, 23. And he's still young in AAA, you know? So you got to put everything into the picture, man. And whether you're there, whether you're not there, uh, you know, but the, 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 the key to the whole thing, is is it is the makeup it is the compete you know how you handle failure well you know what Augie Garrido said it, you know or no uh yeah Augie Garrido said it he says baseball is not a game of failure it's a game of opportunities so when you change what that into that you know just change words you know every day I have an opportunity to prove myself you know and, and I'm going to put myself in an oven not a micro it's not about right now when I was with the Blue Jays we'd give an 18 year old kid a million bucks and he'd pop his first one for 20, right? And he'd walk back like somebody stole his dog. And Tim Raines was a coach there. And I, I look at him, I go, buddy, we better hope that's immaturity and not makeup. Yeah, I love that. I'd bring the kid into the, into the room. I said, if I told you that you could be a 25-year-old big leader and get eight to 10 years, deal or no deal guaranteed. His first thought is, I want to be Mike Trout. I want to be 21. And it's not the question. 25, guarantee eight to 10. He's like, deal. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. That's seven years you're not playing in the big leagues. That's seven years, bro. You better get great at flipping this thing and being a better competitor and get out of pout mode. Right? Yeah. So I'm not saying you're soft, bro, but it sure does look soft. I don't care if you get pissed. How long do I get pissed for is the question. For me, it's one hitter. And then you right. get back into the game, you have a chance to be the hero in the ninth. Right. And, and, and so, you know, now we got 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34. There's 10 years, 34. And that's when I retired. But it's like I said, we all want it right now. And now your mind's getting in the way of your ability. It, one, one of the other things, too, that you just mentioned about failure and how players handle failure. So I was listening to a podcast and I believe and I hope I got this right. It's Sue Enquist. She was the UCLA softball coach. For many years, I'm not sure if she still is. And this is something I learned from her, which when I heard this, I thought this was brilliant. They actually do a failure drill with their players. So they put them in a position during practice to fail. And then there's there's a uh, protocol that they have to follow after that failure, where they come back and they say, okay, guys, you know, there's two outs, players at second, but I'm back. I'm back. I'm ready to go. Okay. So it's something that I've incorporated to try and teach. Cause again, you can tell a kid a million times, you know, don't worry about the failure. It's okay. Don't worry. But do you actually drill it? Is there a way to teach it? So I I've incorporated that into my practices where I, I actually teach my players how to fail, but not only how to fail, how to come back from that failure for the next pitch. So you'll hear me from the dugout. Once, you know, something happens, you know, whatever, a ground ball hit goes through the kid's legs, right? And you can see the kid, the body language goes, you know, to hell, his head goes down, and I'll shout from the dugout, hey, buddy, let's get back. Are we back? You know, and he'll go through his routine, boom, he's back ready to play. But there has to be a way to teach that. You can't just say it. No, I agree with you. I mean, I, I love that. I mean, it's uh, – <laughs> I just feel that if people would, would think big picture – instead of right now, I mean, a big picture, what, what Derek Jeter makes 60 years is his rookie year, you yeah. know, Hall of Famer. Yeah. I mean, 
if he would have, if he would have been mentally weak, that would have been one of the worst draft picks ever. But he wasn't. Right. You know, he's mentally strong, and and I just feel that as coaches, we need to teach. We need to teach a little bit of patience. We need to teach big picture. Uh, we need to put things in, you know, like I said, man, I, I love the line. I mean, too many people have themselves in a microwave instead of an oven. They want instant gratification right. and instead of no, man, baseball, this ain't football. This ain't once a week. This right. is every single day, five at-bats a day, every day, whether you want them or not. Oh, you don't feel good? Too bad. Get your five at-bats. Right? <laughs> oh, you got five today, bro. Right. I mean, but we don't think that way. We, we, if you think you got to be perfect physically to play this game and, and not have an injury, I played three years with a back brace. I blew my back out oh. with the Mets in spring training early, thank God. And I'm taking baby steps for two weeks. If I, if I take a normal step, I'm down. And, but I kept the rehab and, and Clint Hurdle, like we got two days before the season. He's like, bro, you ain't DH. And so if you can't play third, you ain't playing. I'm like, I'm good. I wasn't good. But you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I played. I mean, I don't know where the toughness went anymore. And I'm not saying I was the toughest guy, but I never went on the DL in 14 years. I don't even know. What, I don't even think I have an oblique. <laughs> that was that was a show That's that amazing. Dave and I did, right, Dave? The uh, uh, competitor versus the convenient competitor. Um, right. You know, the competitor is going to do what you did. They're going to put a back right. brace on. They're going to find a way. The convenient competitor is going to say, well, you know what? I'm not going to be able to perform well. I'm not going to do good today. So, you know what? I'll yeah. sit on the bench today. Well, hopefully uh, we got some good stuff in there. And, and, and you know, it's – I love what I do. So, if anybody out there wants me to come speak or do a Zoom or, you know, get my stuff, qualityadvance.com. I wrote a book. Uh, there's going to be a movie. So, you might want to take a little acting class. Uh, I'm going to need a little actor. <laughs> Oh yeah, we got the baseball version of Rudy, baby. <laughs> I want to try, try to inspire kids not to quit. I want to inspire kids. You're not too small, because when I go speak and I and I talk about, you know, ninety percent of my audience is too small when I go speak, and they they just look at their mom and dad and smile. That yeah, I'm not too small. You pick the right sport, bro. But you still need to be a baseball player. You still need to have instinct. You still need to have body strength to be a a, a really good baseball player. And, so, like I said, man, I mean, I've spoken all over this country and, you know, I spoke to like Northwest Arkansas, Oklahoma. I'm like, where is that? <laughs> um, it's where, it's where yeah, the players are. Six grand, so I went. <laughs> it was a great deal. <laughs> it was D3. It was awesome. Right. Yeah, man. It's where <laughs> the players are. That's where you got to go. One of my closing lines is when, uh, you know, what's the most important thing I said in the last hour? Uh, bad never's trap. Compete with confidence. No, the most important thing I'd say in the last hour is get good grades, man. Let your ability dictate where you're going to go to school. And then when you go to college, right, marry an athlete, bro. If you throw a, a girl a ball and she fumbles it, pass. I don't care how cute she is. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking about your kids now, bro. <laughs> uh, that's, awesome. that's that's hysterical because that's one of the lines I used to I used to use with my son all the time. I used to tell him, hey, Vin, listen. I'm sorry, bud, but you got mom's athletic genes. You get mom. <laughs> my wife, my I've never met my wife's dad. He's like five foot seven. Like, I don't marry her if I knew that. <laughs> I'm kidding. My son's awesome. like Mike Milton Bradley and with the David Eckstein's body. He's a bad attitude. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So I, I, I can't, we can't thank you enough for spending this amount of time with us. Steve. This is, this has been absolutely incredible. It is what we talk about all the time and taking it to the umpteenth level. And you are an inspiration. You say you, you want to inspire kids. I mean, I, I, everything I've watched of you, everything that I've heard you do, you do it all the time. We're going to help spread your message out there and get them in touch with you. And, and again, just can't thank you enough for spending this amount of time with us. No time is precious. And uh, this has been fantastic. Well, I appreciate you guys keep doing what you're doing and, and uh, yeah, keep talking baseball, keep learning. I'll keep learning and uh, parents, you need to keep learning. And you know, that's anybody that orders my stuff at quality at bats.com. I I'm going to try and call you. Thank you. Have a little conversation. And, and, I, it's one of my favorite lines, parents, you are your kid's number one coach because you live with them. I don't care what you do for a living, you know, and we, we have to learn how, so we don't get, get in our kid's way. You know, it's like I said, too many kids quit this game at 13 because of the pressure that's put on them by the one who loves them the most. And I'm not saying everybody gets a trophy, right? I'm not into that, but you know what? There's there, and there comes a little time where, you know, you, you know, they get to that little punk age of 13, 14 and 12, maybe, and you got to put your thumb on them a little bit, but it's building them up, breaking them down and coaching them, building back up again, right? It's not 10, 9, and 8. If you yell at a kid 8 and under on a baseball field, you're an idiot. Stop, <laughs> Stop coaching. Definitely so, uh, agree. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you so Steve, much. I, I want to I thank you also for, for being here. One quick thing. Are you going to be at the convention in Chicago? January. I will be. I'll be there with uh, Trent Mongero. Okay, I'm going to try and hunt you down and say hello. Absolutely. Um, I'll let you buy me <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Steve. All right, guys. Thanks, Thanks Steve. God bless. You're the best. Bye now. Hey, so that was our conversation with Steve Springer at Quality at Bats, and I, I'm blown away, Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, Steve is he's on top of his game. He is one of the most listened to guys. He's on the mark. Yeah. I mean, he just, he's, you can tell he lives and breathes everything that he talks about. He is just so full of energy and positivity. It is, it's all the things that we talk about on the show and then multiply it. Um, you know, I, I just, uh, I think that was, that was one of the best baseball conversations I've ever had in my life. And uh, I'm just I'm so proud that he was doing it on on our show, sharing that with us. Yeah, absolutely. Like like I like I had mentioned at some time during the during the show, he whether he knew it or not has taught me so many things in the last ten years that it's it's priceless. Well, yeah, I mean, ten years. I I was not anywhere near as familiar with them as you were. I really only learned about them from you uh, over the last couple of months, and then obviously as we were going to have him on the show, and I I watched a bunch of his videos and went out to his website and everything. And hell, I have an entire page of notes and flipped over to the next page just from that hour long conversation or whatever it was. Uh, th there's so many things to take away from there, and it, it's it's when you, when you break it all down, it's it's not really like earth shattering stuff, but everything just makes sense. Right. I always felt that, that everything he brings is from a practical point of view that, yeah, like you said, it's not, you know, advanced calculus, but it's something that if somebody like him doesn't bring it to the forefront, probably most people won't think about it. We'll droll hitting ground balls a thousand times with, with the player, but how much time do we spend 
on the mental aspect, on the positive aspect, on the on the uh, confidence and competitiveness aspect of the game. Exactly. Yeah. So as you guys heard, I mean, he is one of the preeminent voices when it comes to youth, youth baseball and the mental aspect of the game, especially. And he decided to come on our show because he knows what type of fans that we have and what type of following we've been building here at Clearing the Bases. And uh, we appreciate it. We couldn't do it without you guys. There's no way we would have gotten somebody like him on our show if you guys weren't uh, you know, downloading and listening and following and rate and review and all that fun stuff. Um, so hit the subscribe button. Make sure you follow us. We are at the CTB show at the CTB show on Twitter. Our email address is clearing the bases at gmail.com. Uh, and again, make sure you're following him on Twitter, email, Facebook, you know, all that stuff. It's all quality at bats, just quality at bats.com. That's his website. Uh, you can go out there, see the types of products and programs he has available to him. There's a ton of stuff out there. It is all a plus top notch stuff and cannot recommend him highly enough. That sounds good. Dave. Like we, we always say, we want to, you know, thank everybody for listening, subscribing. You're, you're really helping to make the show a success. And, and we're really, really happy about that. We want to thank everybody. Yeah. So um, yeah. Thank you guys for spending your time with us here. Uh, just always remember the only two things we can control in this life, our effort and our attitude. Go into everything with a positive mental attitude, PMA, give it 100% effort, good things are going to follow. Coach? So in the grand example that Steve said, I'll give you credit for what you say once, then after that, it's mine. Well, now I've learned that my closing words that I actually learned from Steve Springer, he had mentioned during the show that it was from Ken Revisa, but nevertheless, I got it from Springer. So people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.